Welcome to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. This is the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. We have a different guest each week, sometimes a convert to the Catholic faith, sometimes a layperson who started an apostolate, ministering, evangelizing, reaching out to others, maybe a musician, an artist, a writer, all sorts of Catholics from all sorts of walks of life who are living their faith with a great love of our Lord Jesus Christ and a love of His body, the Church, and the fullness of that body, the Catholic Church. Today, my guest is Adam Jenke, and Adam works with St. Paul Street Evangelization, an exciting new apostolate, which takes the gospel right out into the streets. Welcome to More Christianity, Adam. Thank you, Father. It's an honor to be here today with you. Adam, St. Paul Street Evangelization immediately calls to mind St. Paul himself, who was out and about preaching the gospel in the streets, working with the people, especially reminded of his preaching in Athens when he encountered the philosophers and spoke to them in their own language and and reached out with them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that why you've taken the name, St. Paul Street Evangelization? That's exactly why we've taken the name. We were founded in 2012 as a street ministry where we saw St. Paul and his work and scripture to go out and boldly proclaim the gospel And that's exactly what we wanted to do as well. And we knew that uh, he went and he preached on Mars Hill, and he told people about the Catholic faith, and challenged, invited them to, uh, to become Catholic themselves, to respond to the gospel message. Adam, I think probably most Catholics would curl up their toes and climb under a table with fear for the idea that they should actually go out in the streets and evangelize people. And I think a lot of the reluctance we have to do such a thing, well, it's very complicated, but one of the things which discourages us from doing such a thing is the prevalence of Protestants who have been out in the street handing out gospel tracts and uh, perhaps uh, cornering people with questions that are difficult to ask some of those aggressive methods. Uh, Is that what you're trying to do, or do you find them to be counter to what your aims are? So we have this idea of evangelization, especially street evangelization, of being very confrontational. And we have this idea, like all of our Protestant brothers and sisters, God bless them for wanting to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we love that, that they're out there preaching the message of Jesus. But we don't want to, to be confronted in such a way that we're, where we feel like religion is shoved down our throats. So we take a very non-confrontational approach. But like you said, as Catholics, I think there's a little bit of fear, and we live a little bit in a, in a culture of silence. So even if somebody walks up to us and says, hey, why are you Catholic? Wait a minute. We can be caught off guard a little bit. So we're trying to break that culture of silence and build bridges of trust and We do so in a very non-confrontational way when we go out and evangelize and invite people to talk to us. And if they don't want to, that's fine. If they do, tell us what your hopes, your dreams, your your struggles in life are. Let us pray for you. Uh, Let us connect you to the charities of the Church. Let us help you in any way we can. And people are responding to that uh, in, in great numbers. Okay, so just so that our listeners, and so I too, can understand a little bit more about the basics of your work, This is real bread-and-butter, grassroots, bottom-line kind of evangelization. It's not high-tech. It doesn't seem to be, you know, using all the gadgets and gimmickry. It's really just getting out and talking to people. So on a typical sort of session, how do you decide where to go? How do you decide who goes out and and where do you stand? And, I mean, give us some of the practical nitty-gritty of being a street evangelist. Our teams are all over the world. They're comprised mostly of lay people. I know Pope Francis said, you know, by, the, by virtue of our baptisms, we're all called to be missionary disciples. So we invite 
every Catholic to go out there and join us on the street. And we will go anywhere we're allowed to be, for instance, in this country in public where we can express our First Amendment rights, where people are gathered and they're walking by. So that could be a busy intersection. Uh, in my own area of the country, in, in Lansing, I like to go downtown Lansing uh, around lunchtime where people are walking out and about and running and grabbing food and talking to them about the gospel. Or we might go to a parish festival. We just were in Burton, Michigan for four days at a parish festival, evangelizing and telling people about Christ. And a couple dozen people that week and said, yeah, you know what, I'm going to go to Mass. I need to come back to the church, or I want to join RCIA. So that simple presence of being there and building those bridges of trust, people respond to that. You've had people walk up to us, Father, and go, so you're Christians? Yeah. And we try to speak, we always try to have this presence of joy in our, our spirits and our words. They go, well, I really need help right now because I'm, I'm on my way to commit suicide. Would you help me? Uh-huh. And so by being Catholics, present, joyful, out there as Pope Francis is calling us to, that's all we're doing. Hey, we're here. We, you know, we have some rosaries. We have some tracts. What can we do to help? For listeners who are just coming on board, this is More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. My guest today is Adam Jenke from the St. Paul Street Evangelization Apostolate. And Adam, you wove in Pope Francis there, and one of the things that some Catholics have criticized Pope Francis for is they've said, you know, Pope Francis came back and said, well, you know, we don't always need to be talking about abortion and contraception and same-sex marriage and assisted suicide and all of these controversial topics. Some Catholics, unfortunately, heard him say that you don't have to talk about that or heard him downplaying those issues. And I don't think that was his point, was it? I think what you're saying is that he's instead saying it's not compromising the faith to talk about something else and to do so joyfully and to talk about the gospel. So is this one of the things that you sometimes get hit with, that people think that you're maybe aggressive anti-abortion protesters or that you're aggressively negative Christians and and do get some of that feedback? You know, we really don't. So little of our work is apologetically driven. Maybe Mm -hmm. one in a hundred conversations, somebody will say, well, what about abortion? Or what about the priestly sex abuse scandal? Or or what about you? don't you Catholics worship Mary? I think what we're trying to do is even more fundamental than those social uh, culture wars that we're having. You know, I'm reminded of Paul VI when he said, there's no true evangelization, the name and the teaching and the life and the promises and the kingdom and the mystery of Jesus aren't proclaimed. So we spoke to one bishop who said, look, we're kind of playing whack-a-mole with all these cultural ills, like abortion and homosexual (laughs) marriage and everything else out there. But who's going to go and unplug the machine? And we're like, yeah, how do we do that? We go and we proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. So I really don't think people, Father, see us as being negative or aggressive or, oh, here come the the pro-life or the anti-abortion crusaders. Right. We're out there in a broken world, right, trying to say, hey, we found peace. We found joy. It's beautiful. I just uh, wrote a post today on my blog, which is standing on my head, and it's saying how to evangelize people who don't care. The point of the post is to say something I'm sure you'd agree with, Adam, that we go out, 
may be doing social ministry, running a soup kitchen, running the food pantry, running the Meals on Wheels, uh, doing social work, or we go out in the streets evangelizing the way you guys are, sharing the faith, learning the apologetics, answering people's questions, encountering people. But all of this is really secondary to our primary evangelization, which is something much more mystical and mysterious, and that is that each one of the baptized are called to be conformed to the image of Christ. We're called first and foremost to be transformed as individuals into icons of Christ. So that really what you're trying to do when you're out there is you're having conversations, you're helping people, you're dealing with their problems, you're answering their questions about the Catholic Church. But surely what is really going on and should be going on is that the Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you, is somehow really trying to radiate out through you to that other person and so that they're attracted to Christ in you, not just the Catholic beliefs or the Catholic arguments for God and, and so forth. Am, am I on beam here? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would say I agree with that. When we have so many wonderful ministries in the Church. It's like Ralph Martin talks about, evangelization has to be more than everything we're already doing. But we can have Knights of Columbus fish fries, or we can have food kitchens, but how are we using those social ministries of the Church to invite people to encounter Jesus Christ? And I think whatever ministry in our parish or our diocese we're doing, I'm sure you would agree, We have to make that opportunity to encounter Jesus Christ, for them to see Christ in us, and equally as much for us to see Christ in them, and evangelize through that method that we're using, whatever it might be, whether it is a fish fry or a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter. uh, Would you agree with that? Yeah, so that we're actually using every encounter with other individuals as a way to simply share Jesus Christ with them and to allow Christ to radiate from our lives to theirs in a way of acceptance, in a way of genuine love and concern for them. And one of the other problems I have as a pastor is that very often people will perceive this as a kind of a membership drive. You know, oh, we're doing this. Evangelization means getting more people to come to our church, which is kind of also code for getting more people to donate to our church. (laughs) And this kind of really frustrates me because I find myself falling into that trap from time to time, but I find others falling into that trap as well. They're a little bit suspicious. Oh, evangelization is kind of code for getting more people to come to our church, which is code for getting them to, you know, subscribe to online giving or something. And that, that's not really what it's about. And we have to come back time and again and say, no, we're, we're hungry for souls. We share Christ's passion for people and for their needs and their concerns. That's, that's why we're evangelizing. I'm talking to Adam Jenke today. He works with St. Paul a street evangelization, a new apostolate started just a few years ago from Michigan, and Adam and his team go around the country training evangelists, training lay people to spread the gospel and to share the joy they have in the fullness of the Catholic Church. I'm going to take a moment now and remind my listeners to visit my website, DwightLongenecker.com, is a place you can be in touch with me and send me an email on the contact page. I also invite you to go there and connect to my Twitter feed and my Facebook page. Also, it'll link you to my blog. My daily blog, Standing on My Head, uh, has news, updates, links to various other articles and uh, insights on evangelization and sharing the faith. Adam, tell me now, how did uh, St. Paul Street Evangelization get started? I know you said it's really only been going since 2012. 
It's an exciting initiative. Who got the whole thing going? It was founded by our national director, Steve Dawson. Yeah, like I said, in May 2012, he had a conversion to the Catholic faith. And he said to himself, how can I evangelize? And he's finishing up a business degree in Portland, Oregon, and he knew that Mother Teresa and St. Maximilian Colby would give out miraculous medals. And he thought, hey, you know, I'm a layperson. I, I can give out miraculous medals. And so he bought a bunch of miraculous medals, and he went out to a boardwalk, and he gave them away. And pe- people really responded to that very positively. They loved getting the miraculous medals. They loved hearing the story of salvation. So he bought a couple thousand more and some rosaries and started posting those pictures on Facebook. And many people around the country, like myself, I was a DRE at the time, looked at these pictures of somebody, a Catholic, actually out there proclaiming the gospel and saying to myself, well, yeah, why aren't we doing that? And I went up to my own pastor and said, you know, where does our welcome committee end? Well, Adam, what do you mean? And I, I responded, don't we, don't we end at the front door? We, we stop at the front door. We never go out of the door and welcome people into the Catholic Church. So Catholics all over the country, all over the world, have seen that example of just going out and having a friendly conversation and giving out rosaries and miraculous medals. And now we have over 130 teams uh, all over the world out there, regular Catholics and priests and bishops, sharing the faith in the street. So when you hand out a miraculous medal or rosary, I'm assuming that you hand out a little pamphlet or a holy card or something in encouraging people and instructing them how to use it and the history or story of the, of the miraculous medal and the rosary? Yeah, so when we're on the street, uh, as people are passing by, I'll say, hey, would you like a free rosary? And, you know, about half people say, no, thank you, and keep walking, but the other half will stop and say, yeah. So did you know the rosary is a prayer? the mm-hmm. meditation on the life of Christ, and I'll give them a pamphlet on how to pray the rosary and a pamphlet with the message of the good news of, of salvation in it, and I'll ask them, are you Catholic, or have you ever considered becoming Catholic? And I'll let them talk to us, and we'll take their prayer requests and write those down, and, and we always pray for those prayer requests afterwards, or we'll pray with them right then and there. But really, we're inviting them to build a relationship with us, to speak to us wherever their heart is at right then and there, and take some materials and and invitation to the Church away with them, knowing that we really do care about them. That's beautiful. Adam Jenke is my guest today. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. Adam, I need to share with you a story I think you'll find amusing from my own history as an evangelical Christian. I went in uh, one summer holiday during my college years to Scotland on a Baptist mission team, and on the Saturday night, we went to run VBS, you know, and work in the do children's work and youth work there in, the, in their little church. And on the Saturday night in Edinburgh in Scotland, our host said, okay, now, lads, we're going to go down tonight, he said with his Scottish accent, and we're going to do some street preaching. I said, oh, dear, I was not up for this. Anyway, we went down there and pulled into the parking lot. This old saint in his 60s climbed out of the car, big heavy set fellow, Scottish fellow with a, an overcoat and a rain hat on. His wife, who was a stocky little woman, also climbed out of the car and lifted up the trunk lid and she pulled out one of these sandwich boards which said, repent the day of the Lord is at hand on the front, just like you would imagine of your worst nightmare. She came marching up and down the street with a handful of gospel tracts and he got up on a soapbox and started preaching hell and damnation to everybody. And um, they gave us gospel tracts, and we were out there, and 
boy, when the pubs opened up at around 10 o'clock, all the drunks came out and started throwing beer bottles at us and everything. <laughs> what an experience of, of street evangelization. And then the kicker came when he got tired of preaching and he said to me, it's your turn, laddie. And I was only about 18, 19 years old, I suppose. And I gulped and got up on the soapbox and I said, well, Nobody in this city knows me. It's hard to make a fool of myself <laughs> and got on with it. And um, that sort of a street preaching, of course, is the sort of thing which terrifies people and thinks, oh, I couldn't possibly do that. Therefore, my heart really warmed in hearing you describe what you guys do in a very joyful and gentle way, just going out in the street, giving people holy card or miraculous medal or rosary and saying, here, you want a free gift and you can learn to pray better this way. Well, that is so gentle and so attractive. Presumably, you're training teams to do this. You don't just throw people in the deep end. What does the training consist of? Yeah, well, you know, sometimes we do just throw people out there. We, we have them join us, and we tell them, look, we're going to evangelize. You pray for the people while we're talking to others. Because uh-huh. uh, Francis said, you know, hey, you know, like the woman at the well encountered Jesus, went and shared the gospel. But we do train people as well. We train people to be joyful and enthusiastic. We train people to learn how to tell their own story of their own encounter with Jesus Christ through their personal testimony. Mm-hmm. We talk about, sh- you know, sharing with others a story of salvation. We talk about praying with people and in intercessory prayer, all the types of things that you run into when you actually go out and do the real work of evangelization on the street. And when you're on the street, Adam, One of the things where we engage people online and so forth is the argument of atheism. I would have thought when you're on the street, you don't actually meet many atheists, do you? Well, no, but again, our conversations tend not to be really apologetic, but when they are, let let me give you an example. Let me tell you a, a quick story here. One of the very first times I went out evangelizing, one of my evangelists was going to walk up and and speak to a man and offer him a rosary. And I thought in my own mind, this is a guy, if anybody kind of punches us in the face, this is the one that's going to do it. Because he had tattoos all up and down his arms and a shaved head and the giant earrings with the big holes in them and his ears. And we're thinking, this guy is probably not going to respond well Mm -hmm. to the gospel. So she asked him if he wants a rosary, and he says, oh, are you Catholic? She responds, yeah, and he goes, Oh, this is great, because I've been reading the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and I need somebody to answer some questions for Fantastic. me. Fantastic. And we kind of looked around going, are we on Candon camera? Uh, for those of you that remember that show, like, really? Sure. You are? There is a real hunger out there for answers. So he happened to be a Buddhist his whole life, and it wasn't fulfilling him in the way that he thought his faith should. So he was looking to the Catholic Church for answers, and by the end of it, we had him in RCIA. You know, we, we evangelize at a lot of college campuses, though, and sometimes we'll run into atheists, but the conversations are always, they're not hostile. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of arguing. It's just two people having a very friendly conversation with one another, and sometimes we'll challenge each other to, to look at something a different way. But I think a lot of people fear evangelization, mm-hmm. um, you know, at, at least in our own experience, because they think, oh, you know, people are going to just be screaming at you, and you're going to be yelling back at them. But we're finding, even with atheists, it's possible, or people, you know, relativism and utilitarianism, and they're very, very prominent in our culture. Uh, That's what the conversation will be about. Instead, most of the time, it's, I'm broken, and I don't know why. Well, you know, also, 
one of the things that I do when I'm invited to lead a parish mission, one of the missions I lead is all about sharing our faith story and hearing our faith story, under, understanding what a faith story is, sharing with people, ordinary Catholic lay people, how they can evangelize in a genuinely Catholic way. Because another one of the problems people have is they're familiar with a Jehovah's Witness or a Baptist coming and knocking on their door or Mormon where they have all this great arsenal of proof texts from the Bible and Catholics are cringing and saying, oh boy, I really can't pull out all those Bible verses. I don't know those well enough. I can't do this. And my point when I lead these missions is to say, and and I'm so glad to hear you saying this, Adam, because it's what you're doing as well, is I say, look, the Bible is a history of people's faith stories, their relationship with God. The stories of the saints, the story of stories from the Bible, all the great evangelists didn't actually wade in with 15 Bibles under their arm and all the proof texts ready to win every argument, but they just shared their human story of what Jesus has done for them, just shared their story. And it doesn't even have to be a wonderful, miraculous angel story. It can simply be the story of your, is your simple struggles to find faith. People really warm to this because I, I say to them, so you can just share your faith story on a human level. Furthermore, the beauty of sharing a faith story, and I'm sure, Adam, your, your experience would back this up, is that it's not really something you argue about. I tell a story about my grandfather's death, how he died in a tragic car accident, and the moment for his death, he, he opened his eyes and looked up in the corner of the room and said to his wife, just before he died, oh, they're be- so beautiful. He, he saw a glimpse of the angels in heaven just before he died. Well, you can't argue with that. You might say, oh, it didn't really happen. He was having a near-death experience. It's explained by chemicals in the brain. <laughs> but in the end of the day, you just say, okay, but, you know, this happened to my grandfather, and it's really precious to me. So this personal experience has a lot of power. So you're saying you're, you're, that's how you counsel and, and train people as well, to just go out and share the human story? To share the human story, to share your own story of how God has worked in your own life, and in doing that, you connect with other people. I, I fear sometimes, as interconnected as we are through social media, uh, we're losing the ability to form real relationships uh, mm-hmm. with others. So, you know, I took out a terrified parish council member of mine to, to go do street evangelization. She said, I'm not going to evangelize. I won't do it. I'll only watch. And I said, that's fine. And a minute later, she's like, wait a minute. You're not arguing. You're not, like, getting people riled up. You're just having conversations with others and and sharing your own story and making connections. She grabbed the rosaries out of my hand and said, hey, I can do this, too. And a minute later, I I tell you, she was just evangelizing like a pro. So that is what we are all about, is connecting with people on on a human level and sharing what God has done in our own life. Like Paul Francis said, we need to heal wounds. God will heal your wounds, too. And I think this is actually what Pope Francis is trying to show us with his powerful symbolic gestures of of washing the feet of the poor, of kissing the deformed people. You know, all these wonderful gestures he's done is he's trying to say, this is what it's about. It's just human contact and reaching out. And if some have judged him for making a few mistakes or making a few gaffes in his public relations or saying some things which are maybe a little bit confusing to people, he's willing to take those risks. He's confident enough to be able to to do that unintentionally perhaps, but he's willing to just get on and meet people realizing that, you know, it's a little bit messy, but it's real and it's where people really are. Adam Jenke my guest today on More Christianity. And Adam, I'd like you to tell our listeners where they can learn more about St. Paul Street Evangelization. 
Yeah, we invite all of your listeners to go to streetevangelization.com, and all of the information is there, online training, resources, free brochures and materials, and most importantly, click on that Get Involved link. Become a prayer warrior for us, or join one of our 130 teams all over the country, or start your own team. It's uh, very easy and, and free to do. And if they go there, they can learn about your training courses. Do you go into parishes and do training, or do they come to you for the training? How does that work? They, we go into parishes all over the country and do training. We have some coming up here in Michigan and Philadelphia. We just came back not too long ago presenting in Kentucky, so we're happy to come out and train you, or you can even train online as well. We have a certification course online with three more coming up over the course of the next year. I encourage our listeners to get on and, and, and get busy. You know, Adam, this is so exciting for me as a priest as well, because so often our enthusiastic lay people will sometimes be waiting around to be asked to do something, or they'll be waiting for the clergy or the bishop to take the lead. A layman in England who was very involved with the renewal movement said to me very wisely, he said, in the Catholic Church, he said, as a layperson, don't wait to be asked and don't wait to be thanked. Just get on and obey you, obey the command of the gospel and, and respond to the graces you've received in your baptism and get on and do the work. And the joy of the lay apostolates in the Catholic Church is that I've found they do have a tremendous amount of autonomy, uh, a tremendous amount of freedom and energy to be able to get on and do the work. If you conform to the faith, conform to what the Church's teachings, conform to Scripture, and get on and do this work, then the freedom that you have and the joy that you have in doing that is enormous. And go and evangelize. And I would um, back that up, Adam, with just what you've said. If you're a listener today and you've been asking God, what is it that you want me to do? I don't have a theological training. I can't go off to seminary. I can't be a priest or a brother or a sister because of my family responsibilities or my work responsibilities. I don't have any great theological education. My my Bible knowledge is minimal. I, I don't have anything to share. What can I do? How can I serve the Lord? How can I spread the gospel? The Lord can use you in a powerful way that he may not be able to use another person. And you can do so, and you can do this work through St. Paul Evangelization and learn how to do it in, in a most simple and beautiful way. So if you're hearing God's call that he wants you to do more, wants you to get involved, check out St. Paul Street Evangelization. Uh, it's possible for you, uh, and they will give you the advice and the training on, on where to go and what to do next. Adam Jenke has been my guest today. You've been listening to More Christianity. I invite you to tune in next week. Also, be in touch at DwightLongenecker.com, and you can browse my books. You can check out the different resources we have there for evangelizing in all sorts of different ways. Adam Jenke, thank you for being my guest here at More Christianity. Thank you very much.